1: Ladies, gentlemen, welcome to the week 14 of the live bankroll challenge build. We all have a job on this show. My job is to host it. Our special guest's job, Josh ADHD, is to bring us insight that helps us win hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And your job right now is to smash the like button. Our families' lives depend on it. Everyone, do their job. Josh ADHD. Welcome to the show
2: Peter, man. Thanks for having me. We, uh, we had a misconnection last week. I I realized that a house full of small children was probably not the best broadcasting atmosphere. So thanks for letting me come back at it this week. I've got plenty, plenty of awesome galaxy brain plays for us to talk about.
1: That's the thing. Yeah, we got to get this elephant out of the room. You know, I've had Cardi on recently. He is definitely a man of science. He is a plays the bless, plays kind of guy. You know, I vacillated back and forth all season as my process floats in the wind like a paper bag, but you are a bona fide certified galaxy brainer.
2: Yeah, it's um, I guess it's a special talent. I don't know if it's a skill you can develop. It's just an innate ability to designate some really off the board plays for reasons that everybody does not understand, except for myself. And um, sometimes they're good. And sometimes more often than not, they're absolute trash, but the times when they hit, Oh man, that juice is so sweet. I love squeezing that.
1: That's right. I mean, why would you, it, it, it goes back to what my buddy, the counselor would say, why would you, you know, want to live a hundred days as a sheep when you could win, live one day as a lion? And I know you share that mentality.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the one day you live as a lion, that's the one that you go back and reflect on for the rest of your life. I mean, that's glory days. It's a Bruce Springsteen song. It's just that one day as a lion, man, we all, all deserve to have one of those. And if it's only one in our life, so be it.
1: I, I like a shout out to Nate in the chat. I like this. It's not play the best plays. It's play the blessed plays, the blessed plays. I appreciate that. I think that is going to be our theme today, to play the blessed plays. Maybe that includes our Lord and Savior, Patrick Laird. Actually, who are we kidding? It definitely includes him. So this is what we're going to do today. Um, I'm going to catch you guys up on the State of the Bankroll Challenge. I do want to hear about Josh's hashtag process because if you guys haven't enjoyed the pleasure of seeing his screen shares of some of his cash game lineups, which look like, dare I say, head-to-head GPP lineups, uh, you're in for a treat. So we'll get behind the process there. We're going to hop over to Josh's app over on Roto Grinders, the player usage evolution I mean, maybe we get a little Darwin Thompson talk if we're talking about evolution here. And then we will head over to draftkings.com, hashtag NFL, hashtag DFS, and we will build a lineup that may or may not feature some plays in my single entry challenge lineup. How does that sound, Josh?
2: Man, I can't think of a better way to spend my Friday afternoon. Let's rock.
1: So, Josh, I don't know if you've seen here, you see this spreadsheet up, but I'm on a little bit of a heater here. You notice week 13 took 200 of those frisco josh bucks last week min plus cash the spy What i mean look at this trajectory what does math say i'm gonna win this week josh
2: well it depends is this linear or exponential but i'm hoping this is an exponential model for you peter because i feel like that's what you deserve you put the work in you know how to pick the best plays so it just stands to reason that this week is probably at least a thousand dollars
1: Right. And I mean, it has to be right because I just have one of these shitty Android phones and I need money to afford an iPhone. Isn't that correct?
2: I don't know, man. Android army. I, I think... Oh, uh,
1: you're a simpatico Android brother.
2: Is so- solidarity.
1: Oh, that's I'm okay beautiful. with
2: being a, a being a green message instead of a blue message.
1: It is. Like I said, there's, there's no one in the world that could get me to buy an iPhone except... Potentially Patrick Laird, and it just so happens to be he's the one leading the charge. So I'm in a really tough spot, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, let's talk about Josh Galaxy Brain plays. I am curious, how do you go about building your cash lineups? Because you're clearly not just looking at the best points per dollar plays. Like where do you where do you get your ideas, Josh?
2: So I I try to work in a vacuum as much as possible. You know, we talk about ownership doesn't matter. Uh, and it, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I, I think to a degree, ownership really doesn't matter. It's, um, I try to look at the games from my own perspective and, and project what I think the game script is going to be, what the most likely game script could be for a game, and once I go through that for every game, identify the plays that kind of fit that game script, then I kind of refine my methods again and, and filter out the plays I think will make the best cash lineup that isn't necessarily chalky. I do listen to podcasts. I listen and read what the industry is doing during the week because I want to know what plays are going to be chalky because I think it matters knowing what the the field is doing. Say ownership doesn't matter. But I think, it, I think it, if you can identify donkey chalk, that's key. Because if you want to play a player like Malcolm Brown a few weeks back when he totally donked out, um, you know, it's important to be able to pivot off of a bad play like that when you see it coming. Sometimes the cheap guy, especially a running back, Just because he's going to get volume, it's not a good play. And you can find a similar volume, maybe slightly less volume, more efficiency on another game at a guy that's really similarly priced. So running back is really the place where I tend to get galaxy brain. Um, Wide receiver, yeah, sometimes I'll get a little bit freaky there too. Quarterback as well. But, um, you know, by and large, my galaxy brain plays, my lineup building process is because I do things on my own. And then I maybe venture outside in the world and see what other people are doing afterward.
1: Yeah. And I think that's actually an interesting dichotomy of, I think there's two different ways that can go. If you consume a lot of DFS content and you're listening to podcasts and reading a lot of articles, you get a lot of ideas in your head and those can be used for good and they can be used for evil. It can be used for good in how you described it as you get your finger on the pulse of how everyone's feeling. And you can maybe avoid getting locked into some plays you think might be trappy. On the other hand, if people have very persuasive, compelling arguments, sometimes you read an article or listen to something and you go, I have to have that guy in my lineup. And all of a sudden, Sunday comes around and guys are getting scratched and the slate's getting jumbled up. And I'm holding on to this idea because someone four days ago made a compelling argument. How do you balance that idea of keeping your finger on the pulse, but also staying really flexible with your decision making?
2: Yeah, I think you know the the key to any successful venture is being flexible in, in the direction you go, and we we see that a lot with good NFL teams that can make changes on the fly as they lose players. You know, they change their scheme a little bit, they they figure out a way to win without doing what they originally planned to do. So you know, it's there's a Mike Tyson quote, and probably heard it before, but it's everybody has a plan until they're punched in the mouth, and. Yeah. It's good to have a plan early in the week. I make a plan on Monday as soon as I look at prices and kind of build a kind of a, a skeleton lineup of what I think are the best plays based on my most recent information. And then let injuries and whatnot dictate from there. Um, I think it's important to have a a series of backup plans, contingencies, if you will, for injury situations. We monitor those all week. So honestly, if it comes Sunday morning and we get a late scratch, it shouldn't be like a, a total jolt to your process. You shouldn't be startled by it to the point where you do ditch your plans and totally change it on the fly. Now, it, again, it's, you know, there are some special situations where where players are just totally last minute scratched, Like we had the shady McCoy scratch a couple of weeks back that really rocked uh lineup building process on Sunday morning. But by and large, you should have all your contingency plans in place on what if, and then I will do this. And um, I, I try to get all that together as much as I can. That way, when things change on the fly, I've already thought through the process of what could happen.
1: Yeah. And I, 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 it's not a coincidence that I've gotten um, a little better as the season has gone on at DFS, partly because I have simplified and streamlined my process to go back to what we were just talking about. I like listening to a lot of podcasts and shows almost because, you know, for the same reason, a lot of people do, it's fun to hang out and listen to uh, what personalities you like have to say. On the other hand though, I think what I've learned is earlier in the week, I like to have my macro opinions. What games do I want to target? You know, But not get in the micro and be like, I have to have Mike Evans this week. And then come Sunday, I know my macro thing. I'm going to focus on these games. These are the totals. These are the pace up spots I like. And then I'm going to get in the micro and build those lineups and be really flexible with the late scratches. Because it was when I would be doing the building lineups on my dumb Android phone and I'd stare at that lineup come Sunday and be like, but I made this on Tuesday, and I love it. I don't want to adjust it. So when I stopped doing that and handled the micro on Sundays, that's when I actually started to see improvement.
2: Yeah, I think the the process you talk about there, I think it's the right way to handle it. I mean, you have a lot of clarity on Sunday morning when you've already thought through all the macro. I, so I, I really like that you've kind of, your, your process has evolved. You've grown. God, you've grown so much, Peter. I'm so proud of you. Man, I just, I'd just i give you a hug right now if I, if I were in Costa Rica, but you know, it's, I, I think that's a good way to handle it. And uh, you know, the fact that you've recognized that your process has had to change or has grown over the season because you want to win, you want to be profitable. I mean, it's anybody that wants to be a good DFS player. I think they should listen to the words that you just said and take them to heart.
1: Thank you, brother. And you talked about Peter's usage evolution. Well, here's a segue guys. You want a segue? We're going to talk about the player usage evolution app Josh, why don't you give us kind of a description? First of all, if people don't know about this app, I mean, what is what is wrong with you guys? But uh, this is where all the good stuff is. We're pulling from this in, you know, the lineup HQ, uh, Gridiron IQ, all the IQs and HQs. Um, Josh, tell us about this app and how people can leverage it. And then we'll dive into some interesting stats uh, relevant for this week.
2: Yeah, so this this app originated uh, back in 2018 during the summer Um, rotor grinders got their hands on some SIS data, sports info solutions, and it was game charting data. So similar to what pro football focus does, or, you know, to some degree, uh, next gen stats. And with this data and it's all play level data, we are able to do a lot of things with advanced stats and metrics that other sites were unable to do. and, And still a lot of sites are unable to do. So what I did was, um, at the direction of, of the team at rotor grinders put together this app and, you know, one thing that, that people want to know is like, how can I get all the stats and all the info in one place where I don't have to jump between a bunch of different sites. And the the aim of this app is to kind of solve that problem. So, you know, you can go through the app and look at snaps, um, on a week to week basis and see how trends develop with players, teams and whatnot. Uh, same with statistics. And then the real gem of the app, in my opinion, is the receiver alignment and the QB pressure tabs. These really, uh, pull into into use the SIS data that we have at rotor grinders and allow us to look really with a fine tooth comb and in, in, in some cases at how teams, you know, defend certain types of receivers, how, how they defend certain alignments of receivers. So slot or flank. Um, and then on the flip side of that, you know, what offenses and even specific players are doing on a game to game week to week, or even, you know, um, a quarterly basis, depending on how you want to filter out the app. So, you know, what I get out of this app is I can go and quickly assess, you know, is uh, is a new player's usage in an offense, is it fact or fiction? Um, and, and I could do that by looking at the weekly usage and seeing how they've been involved in the offense. And it's just, it's really easy to look at at a glance. The other thing I really like about this app uh, over on the receiver alignment section is you can see how defenses Uh, defend the alignments and that's for me that's really big especially when I'm playing showdown in particular I can see you know where a defense may or may not be weak and really assess from a game script perspective how an offense will attack them and then filter that down to what players are going to be able to attack them in that method so you know in a nutshell that's what this app does there are tons of different ways to use it uh, there's an excellent video uh, on the RotoGrinders grinders feed, I believe on YouTube, that steps through a lot of the different ways to use this app. And anyone that hasn't watched that video or if you're new to this app, I really recommend you go and watch it.
1: Yeah, we'll put that in the comments, uh, or in the show description, uh, for you guys too. So you can check that out. But I would like to go through and have us have you walk us through an example because I think sometimes these apps can be a little intimidating. I know one thing a, a lot of times you'll post these QB pressure charts and they look cool and they look gorgeous. And yet sometimes I. Even with my big old beautiful galaxy brain, don't know how to read them and interpret them. So why don't we start with the QB pressure matchups thing, which I think is pretty cool? Maybe walk us through how you um, uh, how you read one of these charts.
2: Yeah. So this particular chart, uh, I read this as this is not telling me what to do with a with a matchup in particular, but what it says is it gives me indicators on what a matchup might do from a, you know, from a pass protection standpoint, what, what quarterbacks might see more clean pockets versus what they normally see. So let's look down at the bottom left corner. We see Minnesota versus Detroit down at the bottom left corner of the plot. So it, what we see here is that Minnesota offense, Kirk Cousins gets to play Detroit who doesn't create what we call is a, a lot of blown blocks. So you see on the left side, it's a true blown rate created. What that is, is a, it's a Bayesian uh, regression against what the Detroit lions have done from a pass rushing perspective over the last eight games. So that's a big way to say that it's a, a statistical method to assess what the Detroit lions should do in the next game, based on what they've done their last eight games from a pass rushing perspective. And how does that affect Kirk cousins? So, Eric Eager over at pro football focus did some studies over the summer and he deduced that um, clean pockets are the best way to judge how a quarterback plays. So if we know that a quarterback is very efficient in a clean pocket atmosphere and we think that that quarterback is going to have more clean pockets than he normally does, then that tends to say that his efficiency should be better than it normally would be. So this is a long way to say that Kirk Cousins might have a really good matchup with Detroit this weekend from a passing perspective, even though a lot of folks think that this is going to be a run heavy game from the, line or from the Vikings.
1: Interesting. And so another game I know a lot of people are interested this week is Carolina uh, at Atlanta. We see uh, Carolina down here too. So is the same thing maybe holding true for uh, Kyle Allen as well?
2: Uh, it, it's potentially there. Now, what we did see out of Atlanta in the last three games is their their pass rushing increased dr- dramatically, starting with the New Orleans game after their bye. So they kind of reconfigured their defense to go after quarterbacks a little more than they were. So while we might say that Kyle Allen should face more clean pockets than normal, we have to think of it with a little bit of context of what's happened recently versus what happened in the eight-week window that this particular plot looks at. So this is a good place that we hop over to the defense tab right next to that. Gotcha. And here we go. Voila. We can sort on the team over on the far left. You can just click at the top on the header yep. and you can click the row. That's ATL. Yep. That's the Atlanta defense. So this is, if you look back at the top, just scroll up a little bit, you can see the different statistics that you can sort by. So we got dropbacks, blown block rate, blown blocks, hurry rate. So there are many different ways that we're measuring the defensive performance of these teams. And so I look at blown block rate. So we scroll back down, you'll probably have to sort by team again and then pull up Atlanta. And you can see here that they are creating blown blocks at a very, let's say a haphazard rate, almost like it's, it's low and then it's high and then it's low again. So it looks like they came out. If we look at this at a game by game basis, it looks like they came into that week 10 game after their buy against new Orleans and they just lit the world on fire. And then after that, they tapered back down to almost nothing. So if we look at it from this detailed context and then put that next to the matchup plot that we just looked at when we talked about Kyle Allen's potential matchup against the Falcons, we might say, yeah, maybe Kyle is going to be in a pretty good spot here this week.
1: Yep. Yeah, I think Carolina is so tricky because I end up often liking uh their games in a macro sense. You always like Christian McCaffrey. DJ Moore has been so rock solid, a true number one. And then I end up liking the ancillary pieces. People want to talk about Ian Thomas this week. He's the stone men on DK. You got Curtis Samuel uh with the way Atlanta gives up deep ball production. Let's never forget the Will Fuller explosion week for them. So they're always an interesting team to try to untangle uh where you want to attack cuz you definitely want a piece of them
2: yeah i think this will end up probably being one of the one of the most popular games that's stacked this week either in gpp's or even or cash I, so i i think that the fact that you find you can look at this information and find reasons to stack a carolina offense and you can do it a multiple um a multitude of ways i think this data helps support all of the kind of the macro thinking that we came into this week with
1: Yeah. Let's, um, I now want to pop over to the receiver alignment stuff and I have a game I'm very interested in for many reasons. Uh, this Jets, uh, Dolphins game. And I also like a lot of the pass catchers in this game. Uh, I like Gusecki. I like Parker. I like Robbie Anderson. I like Crowder. So maybe you could walk us through looking at this receiver alignment app and seeing maybe one of these guys who might have a better matchup more than the other.
2: Yeah, so let's let's do that. That's um, I think that's a really awesome use case. So, yeah, you're on the perfect tab or on the defense tab. Let's start there. And the first place I really like to start is on the yards per route Mm. stat. And this is it's not a perfect stat. There's no perfect stat for receiving performance, but I do like to see how defenses perform and what kind of yardage they give up per route run. So. All right, so we click on that, and we can sort on, sort on team. And what I usually do is sort on team first, and if I have a, a particular matchup in mind, I'll go ahead and just go select those two teams there, click on their rows, and make them blue. Oh, I got and you. And now, now when I can sort by the different alignment, by the different formations, so left flank, slot, tight, backfield, and right flank, those colors stick with the rows, and you can see really quickly huh. how these two defenses stack up with the rest of the league.
1: Gotcha so yeah, so when I just searched by left flank, it put Miami down at the bottom there
2: yep, and it's it's pretty interesting to note that, that you know teams are attacking like you look at yards per route run, so you'd want to click it twice and get because it'll put the worst team at the top, the most yards per route run given up, so if you do that, then um
1: sorry, what do I need what, what do I need oh to just click, on that? click
2: on click on left flank again, so yeah. it'll sort it the other way around Oh
1: gotcha yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: so. Yeah, you know, left flank, Miami is the worst team in pro football over the last eight weeks from a pure yards per route run metric. Dare so this, I,
1: if I translate this, um, would it in English be, this is Robbie Anderson season?
2: Ah, good question. So this is a good place to go look at the receivers tab. Okay. So if we click on the receivers tab, I would recommend um, filtering the teams down to the New York Jets which mm. will be up above, up at the top. Oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah. Click off of that and scroll up a little bit more. Yeah, right there and select teams. Okay. And, you can, and what you will want to do is scroll up there and click none, none and then scroll down and click New York
1: Jets. There we go. Look at this. I'm getting a handheld tutorial Sorry, I'm not at my new normal computer setup this week, so my mouse, my setup's all a little more wonky, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, so now we got that. Now uh, what filter do we want to use now that we got the Jets queued up?
2: Okay, so one one place we can look is since we did look at yards per route run for defensive side, we can click on the same thing for offense.
1: That's right. We got that.
2: And then you can double-click on left flank and sort that. Oh, and look here.
1: Interesting.
2: Now we see that... In fact, Jamison Crowder is the leading receiver on the Jets from a yards-per-route run perspective. And he's run 419 total routes. Now, that's across both flanks, the slot, and the backfield. So if we want to get some context here, we can click up above on the statistics side look at route split. And what route split tells us, uh, look up, up, up. Oh, there it is. Yeah, right there. Got it. So we can look at route split, and you could sort by left flank. And you can see each receiver, and where they run their routes. And so if we look at Jameson Crowder, we see he only runs 4.4% of his routes from that flank. He's a slot guy. So, but, okay, well, let's, let's think about this. Who does run their routes from the left flank? Ah, well, there's Robbie Anderson. And oh we boy. just talked about him. So maybe go click back on yards per route run. Okay. And we'll see where Robbie Anderson ends up. He's not that bad, 1.83. So he could actually stand to be more efficient this week versus Miami, who gives up, I think it was two and a quarter yards per route run, than he normally is.
1: That, so, that's, that's very cool.
2: This it's is some cool. of the process that I use when I'm – and I, like I said, my main use of this is showdown. I find yeah. this is immensely useful for one game, two game, three game slates, where you really need to narrow down some of the fringe plays to make in your lineups. But for for main slate lineup building, it's still very useful. And you can kind of make a determination of, you know, where players might see more efficiency than they normally would and vice versa.
1: Yeah, and I think that's going to be an interesting decision this week. Crowder versus Robbie Anderson. Um, You know, Anderson's been playing well of late. Crowder still getting a ton of volume, but had the more disappointing game recently. So this is uh, this is very, very valuable information here. I think their ownership uh, will probably be close to similar. Uh, maybe Jamison coming a little higher owned, but similar price point. Why don't we do this exercise as well for looking at the Dolphins? Devontae Parker, one of the hottest receivers in football, but Gasecki continues to see six or seven targets a game as well. Walk me through uh, doing the same thing with the Jets.
2: Yeah, so, all right, Dolphins, so we sorry. can go back to the defense tab and look back at the jets like we did just a minute ago. Okay. And we'll make a determination of, okay, well, where are these guys good and where are these guys bad? So once we get Miami selected on the offensive side, we can click back up on the defense tab and we can go. And like I said, there's a lot of ways to cut this. You can do it yards per route run. I also like to look at PPR points per route run, which is it's kind of a bastardization of yards per route run because it'll include obviously fantasy points for any of those catches made. It's not just raw yards. So you'll get touchdowns infused with that as well as the point for actually receiving the ball. So for a site like DK, PPR per outrun may actually be a little more useful than yards per outrun from a macro perspective.
1: Yes. Okay. Why I I have those selected, but I'm seeing a bunch down here. Do I need to refresh?
2: Uh, No, you should be fine. So, okay. okay, So the teams won't actually filter on the offense and defense raw taps because you still want the context of the rest of the league. Yes. I think is very important.
1: Right. We need to know where within this range. Correct. Okay. All right. Okay. So well, I got those selected now and what are we uh, sorting by?
2: Yeah. So usually I, I, I will double click on that slot header. Yeah. And sort by the most lucrative slot defenses. So, mm. you know, obviously the Giants, the Bengals, we're looking at the teams that give up the most PPR points per route run out of the slot. And the slots, like you know, it's in vogue right now. That's where offenses are making their making their money. So to me, that's why I like to go to it first instead of looking at like the tight end or the backfield or the two flank slides. So we see that you know both these teams are pretty much league average, yeah, from a, from what they yield to offenses. So okay, well maybe there's not much edge to be had there. But you look at the flank side for the Jets, and it's a little interesting. Like we could probably we could probably sort by that and see. Okay, well, Miami's really bad from the left flank, but hey, look at the Jets. The Jets are not that great either. Right. And you could say that from both sides, both flanks. They're bad yep. outside. So, okay, well, let's go back and look at the, uh, the receivers tab. And for the Dolphins, we can look at PPR points per route run and sort by the flank.
1: Oh, let me get rid of...
2: Yeah, get rid of the Jets. Nobody wants the Jets. No one.
1: Well, I kind of want the Jets, Josh.
2: When you're a Jet, uh, you're a Jet till the end.
1: Yeah. All right. So now we got here, and we were going to look at what yards per route.
2: We can look at yards per route run. We can look at PPR points per route run.
1: Yeah. Either let's have, way, people people love their PPR points. Let's look at our PPR points. Um, and we were going to sort.
2: Yeah, sort by slot.
1: Switch, which uh, we saw they weren't particularly bad against yeah. the slot.
2: Yeah, neither they're both league, pretty much league average from the slot. So it's like, okay, well, we looked at the flank. The flanks were actually you know, pretty weak for both defenses. So yeah. if we s- select left flank and sort by that, you, know, you can see here, you know, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams are both making a meal out of defenses out of the flank. Yep. Um, so what we might want to do, and I see you have just raw PPR points selected. I would probably click over on PPR points per route which is just about there. Yeah. Right there. That way we can get it broken down on a per route basis because if we don't think that um, obviously Preston Williams is, is on IR right now. So now we can kind of reevaluate based on, you know, recent information or based on what we think will happen with receiver alignment for the dolphins. Okay. Well, who's going to be the play if we're going to attack the flanks on the jets.
1: How do I sort miles Gaskin out of the app forever? I just don't want to see his name (laughs) ever.
2: Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, there's not a good way to do that yet, but I that's a good feature ad, I think. We'll, we yeah, can put yeah. a redacted list on
1: Redacted, right. there we go. Um, so now we're looking here at points per route, and we got Devontae Parker with eight games played up there, leading the charge along with uh, Jakeem Grant.
2: Yeah, so Devontae Parker, and we and we can also slide over and look at the right flank, and it's 0.42 PPR points per route run. So, you know, he's been pretty much a hoss for the Dolphins on the flank. And if we want to see what his... His production has been in context with the rest of the league. Well, we can go back up to where we selected Miami and filtered them out, and you can click all.
1: Mm. Because then we need to get, we have context within the team, but now we need to see context of how that fits
2: with the league.
1: With the league. Correct. All right, let's see here. Take a second to
2: render, and then it's back up. And it may take a little bit of scrolling. And the other thing you might need to do here, is, since it starts at 25, you may have to select 50. Oh, but yeah. we knew what his we knew what his number was. It was roughly uh, like 0. 0.45. Okay,
1: so he's more he's more league average down here. Yeah, he'll
2: probably be on, on the second page. But I think. Okay. I, yeah, just see. found him. Where did he go?
1: There. Okay. So there's Robbie. There's Devonte Parker. Yeah, 0.
2: 0.42. Yes
1: so parse this for us what is this telling you about Devonte parker's matchup
2: well what it tells me is that Devonte parker is relatively league average so far as probably wide receivers are concerned producing from the left flank that to me that's a good thing against a bad new york jets defense yeah if, if the jets are conceding a lot of points on the outside and we know that parker's been at league average or just above it over the last few weeks then i think that we can say it's there's sound reasoning there to continue using him to attack defenses in our lineups
1: and how would you then tease out here who has the better matchup between Gisaki and uh,
2: Parker? So what you can do is go to the search, uh, that little search bar right there at the top yep. of the table, and you can type in part of a name. And sometimes they don't always show up because I'm trying to put... Oh, up. there he is. And so once you get part of a name there, you can click on it and highlight that row.
1: Oh, so he's 0.94 out of the right flank.
2: Now And then so the context we have to think about there is, okay, well, how many routes has he run out mm. of the flank? And again, this is where this app is really helpful, but and you, you flip flop back and forth a lot. So it's like, okay, well, if, if he's really good out of the flank, is, are they using him that much? Because that type of production will typically say that oh, maybe not so much. So, so there's
1: eight there for the right flank for Gusecki versus, uh, so he's not running much. Out of, it's Oh, so his, his snaps get tagged as tight, tight end.
2: Um, not tight end, but if, if he runs a, a route from a tight end position, so he's tight with the line, Yeah, then they'll, they'll call it tight. Gotcha. Otherwise and, it, and that's usually within, I think two, I think two to three yards of the, of the offensive line, or it, maybe okay. it's even within the hash. And then once you get outside that range, it's considered a slot alignment. Okay.
1: And so, yeah, so slot and tight though, you're segmenting out those things as separately, even though they're both you know, closer to the, the line than the flanks.
2: That's right. Okay. That's
0: right.
1: Cool. Um, I think this is really fun it, and it really helps you when, you know, cause you'll read about some of these matchups. Like I said, I feel like Robbie and Jameson Crowder are very similar plays this week for a lot of reasons for price for matchup. So to be able to go drill down in this app and kind of help you break those ties, because I don't think Josh would ever say, and maybe he wouldn't that, it's going to prove that one guy is such a better play than the other, but I think it is a good tiebreaker.
2: Yeah. I use it for tiebreakers a lot. And it's just kind of a, you know, you really understand how, how offenses have been using players leading up to the game in question. And it, it really can help you just, if you're 50, 50, instead of flipping a coin, you can use this to kind of give you a lead.
1: All right. I'll let the chat get one more question. I got to do mine. I wanted to get granular with the jets in the dolphins. If someone has a specific receiver situation they would like to see us take a look at, um, we will do that before heading over to make a lineup. But while I get one of those questions from the chat, Josh, why don't you just tell us, I saw you quote retweet uh, our show about the swole cast on how this slate was kind of stumping us. What is your feel right now as far as, you know, value opening up or why this might be a weirder than usual slate?
2: Um, I, you know, to me, the real question is what is Carolina going to do? It's going to be a popular game, but now that they've changed the regime, they, I mean, they've, they've drawn their line in the sand. They're, they're going to be an analytics organization. They have the future to think about. So what is Carolina going to do? I mean, you can't assume that they're going to maintain status quo that they've had the entire season. I mean, it's, is, is Christian McCaffrey going to be a a $10,000 running back the rest of the way from a usage perspective? Are they going to taper him off? Like, are they going to back him down? To sixty to seventy percent of the snaps in um, in a way to preserve him for next season and season after. I mean, it's he's he's had a massive workload, and I I have some questions about his usage. I also wonder if Kyle Allen's even going to play a full game. I mean, could they bring in um, Will Greer in the game on Sunday and and give him a shot and see what he can do? I mean, it's just to me, there's a lot of murkiness on one of the main games on the slate that people are targeting that gives me some pause, and so I've, I've kind of backed off the game a little bit um i'm still interested in it but i think until i have more information i don't know if i want to just you know press on regardless with that one
1: it's also tough because things aren't as clear now on the Falcons' side of the ball either. I mean, you got Julio back, you got Hooper back, Freeman's getting back to health. You know, Ridley was kind of the the big beneficiary of those target bumps, but when Hooper was playing, Ridley was really kind of down in that 4-5 to five target game, which really hurt him. So now that's kind of a, a mess, and Hooper's just outrageously expensive too, so I don't even know how you can use him with some of the better options at tight end. So yeah, I don't know what to do on the Falcons' side either.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty difficult this week, and and again, that's uh, this is another team that in my in my thinking they're in a total evaluation phase now. They're going to go out and do their status quo. I, I think that's probably the case. But you know, how healthy is Julio? How healthy is Hooper? They say they're good to go this week, and they practiced all week. But you know, I, I still have some reservation of whether those guys are going to look like they did in week four versus you know what they could look like this weekend. So you know, I, I just I have a hard time going 100 percent on players that I haven't seen as they return from injury.
1: Yeah. All right. I ended up getting three potential nominations from the chat on situations they'd like us to look at. So I'll toss three of them at you and you can let me know which one interests you the most. And we'll look at it and then we'll move on to build a lineup. Option number one, Fuller Watson. I think Fuller Nuke is kind of interesting this week as Nuke is getting a little more popular. Uh, Mike Evans versus Godwin is the classic uh, debate every week. And then another one similar, Baby Evans, Godwin, Kenny Galladay versus Marvin Jones. Which one of those interests you the most this week?
2: You know, I think... And what was that first one again? I think the first one's probably the most interesting Fuller? because it's not yeah, yeah Fuller, Fuller Watson yeah Fuller and I, I think and this Duke. is probably the most interesting one because it's going to be the one that's I think least covered by everyone else out there in the tautosphere. Um, so yeah. let's take a look at that since since we had Denver coming to town here in Houston.
1: And I also will say another reason that's just interesting. I was looking at what was quote-unquote popping in the blitz optimals and you are seeing a lot of Deshaun Watson and you're seeing a lot of Will Fuller at 5,500. Uh, I haven't heard from my buddy Chow, but I did hear that Fuller was on the injury report with the hamstring. So that's a little interesting, but let's go ahead and dig into this. Josh, walk me through again where we should start.
2: Yeah, so usually if I am want to look at particular receivers, I'm going to go ahead and find the defense first. So I'll flip over to the defense tab. Yep. And what I will do is typically I'm going to look at yards per route run or PPR per route run. I typically look at both, but I'll start with yards per route run here, and yep. I will find the Denver Broncos, and then I will start my sorting. Now I'm going to start on the flanks because I assume that's where Will Fuller is going to run the most, the majority of his routes this week. So I'm going to start there and see what Denver does on the flanks, and I sort by that and I see well, they're not that they're not that juicy of a matchup, like they're lower. They're kind of lower middle on the right flank. And if we look on the left flank, they're kind of upper middle. So it's kind of a maybe a marginal matchup. It's not the best matchup we could hope for, but there might be some advantage that we could take here, knowing that it's Houston, knowing that they will attack downfield. Um, We also know that Fuller will likely run some slots from the snap, so, or some snaps from the slot, so we can look and see if the slot. the slot production is against the Broncos and we see that it's also lower middle. So, okay. We know Denver's been a pretty tough defense, but they've also played some, some kind of crappy offenses too. So then I will flip back over to the receivers tab and this is where I can filter down to the Houston Texans and look at them in particular and see what Will Fuller's production has been on the last eight weeks.
1: Yeah. Let's, uh, Let's check this out. Yeah, I think there's a lot of these kind of boom bust um, profile receivers that are super interesting this week. We we're talking about Curtis Samuel, talking about Robbie Anderson, and then now Will Fuller. I think you're going to want exposure to probably one of these guys in your lineup. So yeah, let's uh, go through here. We're going to go back to. Um,
2: I think I would start with route? the. I would start with the route split first. Okay. Because I want to know at the for the receiver himself. Where is he running his routes? Where is he lining up? So we see that Will Fuller is lining up almost, you know, 57% of the time in the slot. That's interesting because we thought maybe he's primarily a flank receiver. So the rest of the time he is lined up on the outside, the, the other 43%. So this is good. He's kind of mixing it up almost half and half. So we think that he's going to get some exposure to both the flank and the slot this week. And so now we can kind of look and see what his production is, on those alignments like where is he going to be the most productive potentially and we see that over the last four games that he's played out of those eight weeks like he's made his money on the left flank in the slot yep and the right flank not so much what this is is probably td luck for hey. the most part but again if if he's been productive there and we think that he's going to be targeted heavily this weekend because chris harris jr is likely lining up on deandre hopkins then we can maybe make a case that Fuller is the right play this week over Hopkins, or maybe maybe we don't even want to use Kenny Stills this week because his production pales in comparison to Fuller. Yep. So, you know, juxtaposing Fuller's production, the number of routes he's run from each alignment with what the Denver defense gives up, it kind of gives you an idea of, you know, is his performance going to be dragged down potentially? Is it going to be able to uh, increase in efficiency and you can kind of make a decision of, yeah, this is probably a pretty good play this week based on that.
1: Yeah. And I think another thing that is interesting too, will just be, you know, obviously the DeAndre Hopkins price at 7.4 versus five, five. And uh, sorry, Devin, I'm going to have to ex- do this a little bit bigger to see my percentage owned here. Um, we also have DeAndre Hopkins at 16%. So you, not only are you saving $1,900 but where do we have Fuller down here? I mean, I'm going to have to probably scroll there. We have him at eight percent. So it seems like if they're both getting moved around the formation a lot, and it's a good matchup for both of them, uh, Fuller seems like a decent play.
2: Yeah, I think you know when I initially looked at this matchup, I already targeted Houston as an offense that I wanted to have in my lineups this week, and my instant thought was, I want to play Fuller. Yeah, I don't want to play Hopkins. I want to play Fuller. That was my gut instinct from the very beginning. And, you know, there's a little bit of recency bias mixed in with my thinking here, because I watched him drop a deep bomb touchdown last week against the Patriots, something he probably should have had. And then on the very next play, it was Kenny Stills that got it. So my thinking is, it's kind of that Evans and Godwin conundrum is, okay, well, this week it has got to be the fuller week, right? That's what my recency bias is telling me. So I could take that and I could go look at the numbers and say, you know, is my gut giving me the right direction this week? Or do I, is it really just, you know, these rosy sunglasses I'm wearing?
1: Yeah. Why don't we use that as a segue to pop over to build our lineup here? And I mean, I'm not going to force you in that direction, but if you want to lock in your boy here, I'll let you lock in a stack to kick us off here too. you. Is that the direction you want to go or you want to go get uh, something else going?
2: Oh, well, I mean, if we're going to go galaxy brain, we got to go galaxy brain, right? Let's do it. All right, so my Galaxy brain play this week is me, Hardman.
1: Whoa, (laughs) okay, you weren't kidding. All right, you have the floor. Let's do this. He wasn't even on my radar. I don't even know how much he costs. $3,800, let us do it.
2: Yeah, so here's the case for me, Hardman, this week. Is the New England Patriots' common knowledge, I think, is that they will take away the best option in the offense. Now, the question is, what is that option for them this week? Is it Travis Kelsey or is it Tyreek Hill? Last season, when they played against Kansas City in the AFC Championship, they put Stephon Gilmore on Travis Kelsey to take him away. And they bracketed Tyreek Hill. Now, both of those players ended up doing pretty decent damage in their own right. But if that is the case, if that's how New England deploy their defense this week in a concerted effort to stop the top two playmakers and – we don't want to play Sammy Watkins because we think he sucks and we don't want to play DeMarcus Robinson because he's not that great. Then, you know, to me, Nicole Hardman is what we want Marquise Brown to be this week. Like Marquise Mm. Brown is that low snap, low route run, high ceiling player. And Nicole Hardman can be the exact same this week. Nicole Hardman could run 20 routes in the game and he could score 30 fantasy points based on the role he has in the offense and based on his ability to completely break a defense with his speed. So again, it's a bit of a galaxy brain play. We're getting weird here, but I can make a logical case for why this might be the week to drop him in your lineup at 1% owned.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think the only, when you're poking holes, like I'm just pulling up his target share, right? Where it's like last week he didn't get a single target. Um, He's been around 10% target share there. Um, I think the real issue for him is probably the fact that he's splitting snaps with Demarcus Robinson, right?
2: yeah and he's I, I think the team views him as like a one for one replacement with Tyree Hill, so if yeah. Tyree Hill plays a full complement of snaps, why are they putting hardman out there so again, yeah, this is why his ownership will be suppressed, yeah, but if Kansas City wants to win this game, why wouldn't they put their best speed weapon out on the field that's not going to be bracketed and not going to be blanketed with gilmore
1: and and here's the reason why. I don't mind this play because, well, one, you want exposure to this game. We know there's going to be a lot of points. Um, We know that it's a little harder to attack this game. People are still afraid of the New England defense in some respects. Um, The Chiefs guys, the premier options are super expensive. No one knows what to do with the Patriots outside of Edelman. Uh, It could be a Sony game, could be a white game. So, I like the idea of tacking these games with really cheap, low-owned guys. I mean, that's how you do want to get exposure to it. But I will say you have blown my mind with this Galaxy Brain, but I like it. I like it a lot.
2: Well, I, I'm glad you appreciate the Galaxy brain of it all.
1: Well, and I like to... Now, okay, well, here's a, here's a question. Um, is this... Um, do you like Hardman as a one-off play or do you like attacking this game in a, in a bigger stack kind of way?
2: I think from a tournament perspective, I think it's a great game to attack. So I don't have any issue stacking him either as the run back or as part of the stack option. So if you wanted to run, you know, Mahomes, Hardman, and Kelsey, or yep. Mahomes, Darwin Thompson, and Nicole Hardman, I mean, that's a pretty interesting stack that's gonna get really low ownership percentage and gives you like a really cheap way to get exposure to this game.
1: Okay. I like that too because What's really fun, I I really am into Darwin. We saw today Damian Williams ruled out. We know Darrell Williams to the IR. I have rallied against LaShawn McCoy. I've done my boots on the ground film analysis when I was in Mexico. They had no interest in using him until Damian Williams got banged up. So I'm very much on board the Darwin train. When you get Darwin at 4,000 and Hardman at 3,800, we can attack this game and get in some other big-time studs. So I'm going to just take two here because once we have Darwin and Hardman, we are going to get Mahomes. I'm going to toss it back to you. You can either talk to us about a bring-back in this game or you can take us somewhere else.
2: Yeah, you know, we could talk about bring-backs. I have two bring-backs in this game that are most interesting, especially now that we're playing Mahomes at quarterback. The, I, I do want to say one thing. A stack like this, you, because you're playing two of the, you know, really they're satellite ancillary pieces of the passing offense – because you have Mahomes with them, if Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey go off, you've got a piece of it, right? Because you have Mahomes. So you're going to get a chunk of it anyway. So it's, it's a little bit of an insurance policy in case Thompson and Hardman both donk out. Um, so if we want to talk about bringbacks here for New England, to me, the, the two best options are Sony Michelle and uh, Julian Edelman. Yep. Edelman, to me, is pretty obvious. It's his target volume. Uh, I, I just don't think that Casey is going to be able to defend him. I think he's going to see 12 targets and catch 10 of them. So to me, his floor is incredibly high. I think he has a really high ceiling too. Now, the folks have come back and said this this New England pass offense just can't score anymore, but it, I think they can this week. So I, if they can this week versus who cares what they did in the past? I, I think this week they have a good matchup. I think they will be forced to score points, and I think they'll be able to do it. So if I think that's the case, Edelman's ceiling gets higher than it might normally be in a matchup. And I kind of like him as a bringback. back. The reason I like Sony Michelle is I think that the other part of this is you know Edelman is a ball security option in the passing game. He gets a lot of targets, but he's also say he's a chain mover. Right. Uh, Michelle's kind of the same thing for the Patriots if they want to run the ball, if they want to protect the ball, they want to keep Kansas City offense off the field. It makes a lot of sense for them to go with a power running game, much like they did in the AFC Championship. You know, yep. They they ran Michelle right down their throats and while they may not run that same game plan again, I think it's probably their best way to kind of, you know, mute out the potential ceiling game that KC could have here. So either way, I think these are both kind of high floor, um, potentially high ceiling guys that Michelle could get in the box a couple of times. They're yeah. Options of a one-off run back.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to steer us toward Edelman just in that we have some more risky galaxy brain type plays in Darwin and Hardman. We look at here Edelman's target floor: 10, 12, 12 the past three weeks. We know he's going to get those 10 targets and give us a really high floor there. Sony, we've seen his usage, you know, yanked around. Rex Burkhead can sometimes be a thorn in his side. A negative game script can be a thorn in his side. So why don't we lock in Edelman? Because we already know that this game or this stack that we have is going to be pretty damn unique. But I will then, because I kind of uh, hijacked your pick there. I'll let you. I assume we're going to venture out of uh, New England now. Uh, I'll let you take a stand somewhere else in what I assume would be uh, one of your other favorite plays on the slate.
2: Yeah, I've got, I've got quite a few. That's the, that's part of the problem with this week is now that we have all of these games back on the slate, the bye weeks are over. There are a lot more compelling plays than there normally are. So you can, you know, there's a fog of war to some degree of, of just really trying to distill down which ones are the best. So we got Casey New England out of the way. That's good. I think a a game that many people are going to try to attack, we talked about it a bit already, is Indianapolis and and Tampa Bay. Um, I I have some interesting plays there. We can get Galaxy Brain on that game really quick too, right? Because, you know, there's plays that people have talked up all week all across the industry that are way – way low priced on men price in some cases that we could insert in this lineup. I don't think we need to do that now though. We've got a cheap KC stack so we can get a little bit higher priced. I like a wide receiver stack in this game of either two indie receivers or both Tampa Bay receivers and run like Evans and Godwin in the same lineup.
1: But would you, would you do that without Winston?
2: See that's that would give you some variability on the field, right? Because yeah. anybody that's going to stack this game would try to stack all three. But I've got my homes already, right? Yes. Because I wanted a piece of the KC offense. So the way to get basically access to every bit of Jameis Winston without having him is to play both Godwin and Evans.
1: They said, "Man, you—I've tried to rep being a Galaxy Braider. I mean, Josh, you are—you are making my nerves. I'm just thinking about this lineup right now, and." I've just realized I might be a fraud galaxy brainer. I I might not even be able to hang with you, dude.
2: Oh, no, no. You are the master galaxy brainer because you have given us the Laird and Savior.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, we haven't even got to him yet. My goodness. Well, why don't you tell me your favorite uh, plays on the on the Colts side, too? Maybe we can meet in the middle with one of each.
2: Yeah. So if if I were going to attack this game, I think I would have Jacoby Brissett, at quarterback over Jameis Winston. And I would go ahead and run that same Tampa Bay receiver stack back at him. And so the question then becomes, do I do I go like full game stack here and and either put Pascal or Paris Campbell with to Kobe or Jack Doyle, who's going to be really popular tight end play anyway? You know, this is if you think this game is going to shoot out and get up into, you know, 55, 60 total points, then I think it makes some sense to say that, okay, well, Brissett's probably going to be, you know, party to 24 to 28 of those points. You probably need to play him because he's a lot cheaper and gives you access to Evans and Godwin.
1: Yeah, why don't we, why don't we play Evans and Pascal together? What do you think I'm about cool that?
2: that? Yeah, I'm cool with that. I think that's, I think that's the way to run because if what I saw today earlier, and I can't remember the player's name unfortunately, but the slot corner for Indianapolis is going to be out this week. They're starting okay. slot corner. Okay, and that, so that's where Godwin runs a lot of his routes, right? So it, you folks I think are going to start leaning more toward Godwin and away from Evans thinking that Godwin's going to eat because he's facing the backup slot guy. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that totally could be the case. But I think Evans um, is just as likely to go off and have a 35-point game this week as Godwin is. Yeah. I mean, it's Indianapolis does run a lot of zone, but we have seen them come out and run a lot of man against particular matchups. Evans excels in man. Godwin excels versus zone, but they're both great receivers. So again, I, I think you could you could play Evans of Pascal. You could play Godwin of Pascal. I mean, there's a lot of permutations here to attack this game and not necessarily have to go you know full uh, full bore at it with the quarterback.
1: Yeah. All right. I dig it. I dig it. I think Pascal's going to end up being pretty unique because th- like we talked about, there's a lot of plays in that, you know, 49 to 5,600 range. And I think he's probably going to go pretty overlooked there, especially with, I've, I've noticed the hype on Paris Campbell starting to ramp up as the punt option. And I don't think people are going to have the stomach to play Jacoby, Pascal and Campbell. So I bet Pascal is kind of the forgotten guy.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's the right the right thinking too. He's the most expensive of the receivers. I think folks will shy away and play either Doyle or, or Campbell.
1: Yeah, I just want to check uh, what has because his targets with Ty out have been pretty pretty nice. Ten last week um, is pretty darn good. If you're going to get that in a potential sneaky shootout game. Um, all right, so. Why don't we put in a defense just so we know where we stand? I've just kind of as my default been putting in the Bucks defense, but now you got me a little worried about this game being a little more high scoring. Who's been your kind of go-to default defense so far?
2: Um, this week it's been San Francisco.
1: Really? It's okay. Yeah, getting up to 2,700. So on the road, the, on the Saints road
2: in the Superdome, yeah.
1: All right, make your case, because, man, Josh, you are, you are a true galaxy brainer, my man. Okay,
2: here, here's my case. San Francisco has an elite defense. Yep. Um, the New Orleans offensive line can be had. We saw that against Atlanta a couple weeks back. I know that San Francisco would go to school on that tape a little bit and devise some ways to get to Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Brees doesn't have the big arm anymore, right? He's a short-arm passer. Uh, and, and I think that while Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara will both get theirs, I don't think they're necessarily going to get in the end zone. I think San Francisco is going to put enough pressure on this offense to where they're going to struggle to score points. I think this is a low-scoring game. Uh, and when I, when I say low-scoring, I think it would be 16-13 to 13 or 16-14 real easy. And if that's the case, and we know that New Orleans wants to throw the ball, man, give me all of the San Francisco at 2,700.
1: Yeah. All right. Wow. Yeah. I think uh, it's, this is a battle of our jeers because we all know Derek Carty. He loves him some Saints at home. Uh, In the Superdome, Drew Brees, also very cheap. But uh, San Francisco, very good defense. So especially if we know Alvin Kamara is going to be incredibly popular, right? Um, So if playing the San Francisco D and fading your Saints in this build, um, not that we needed to get any more unique, but it's pretty damn unique. Um, I'm going to put in a tight end just because we're going to have money to play with here. I really like Darren Waller this week. What do you feel about that?
2: I think it's a great play. Absolutely. Yep. Now that, that Hunter Renfro's not in the lineup, we know that for sure. I think Waller's an awesome play. Um, I, I do have had the idea that Oakland will struggle to throw the ball on the flanks. I mean, it's kind of a struggle for Derek Carr anyway. Uh, Tennessee's a pretty good, decent pass defense. So I think, I think Waller's a great high-floor play.
1: Okay, so that leaves us with a very nice, Josh – Sixty nine hundred at running back. It obviously takes us out of the consideration for the high end type guys, but still leaves some interesting names. Do you have a favorite mid tier RB in here?
2: I don't necessarily have a favorite. There's a lot of guys I like that I think could go off. You know, I, th- I think it could be Melvin Gordon. I think it Joe I think Joe Mixon's an awesome play this week. Yeah, um, I think he's got a pretty good matchup. The other thing that we could do here, if we wanted to back out Waller, I really like that play. But if we wanted to back out and get a little bit cheaper, we what could, happens yeah. if we put? What happens if we put McCaffrey in the lineup? How much money do we have? Left? Yep, we got twenty four hundred. I don't think we have quite enough to. Ah, get tight we miss end.
1: we miss That's Ian Thomas bad. by hundred. Yeah, so you can't yep. stick
2: Ian Thomas in there. I'm not we sure if I want to run a Carolina stack anyway. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, Dalvin. I'm afraid of Dalvin this week.
1: Yeah. Even off and the I think a lot board. of
2: folks will be so I, I mean they they say he's going to play I think if if I were going to be in this matchup or, or, or target this matchup and think that they're going to steamroll Detroit I don't see where Dalvin gets enough work I think it'd be a lot of Madison and they try to preserve Dalvin for down the road so at that point okay well who can I back down to here uh, I think there's a lot of I think you have a lot of squabbles with all these players in the in the eights, in the sevens. So let's go ahead and put Waller back in this lineup. I like that play. <laughs> We're back. We're back.
1: Um yeah, I do think uh yeah, I do think Dalvin Cook's interesting in that he's going to go way under owned, um, as people are afraid of the injury and pay up for McCaffrey. Um, I would also, I'm, I'm pretty interested in Chubb in that I think he's going to be super low owned too. Whereas normally when we get these guys that are in juicy matchups, like one of the things I've been preaching all season is like, okay, it's Marlon Mack versus the Raiders or whatever. And we fall in love with these running backs that aren't catching a lot of passes. And you don't want to play them when they're high owned because their range of outcomes isn't baked into their ownership and price. But this week, I feel like Chubb is flying under the radar a little bit. Again, he's a guy that we can't fit in, but I am just curious, what? how do you view some of these guys that are a little more fragile with their range of outcomes?
2: And yeah, Chubb is an interesting case because I, I think when, especially against a team like Cincinnati, that they, I mean, Cleveland should soundly beat this team. I don't know if they will, but I, I, they should beat them soundly. Uh, that's a Chubb game, right? I mean, Chubb yeah. should get 25 touches. And if we think Chubb gets 25 touches and a couple targets, I mean, they, at his 8,000, it's, it, I mean, you get a little heartburn paying that price for Nick Chubb with a low target, a low target probability, but you know, it's, it's, it's like, he's basically Derek Henry. And so if I look at these two guys, what's their touchdown equity between the two of them? I think Derrick Henry is probably a lot higher than Chubb, but it's just as likely in my opinion that Chubb could go off for 25 points and and Henry gets 16. So, you know, this is the conversation we're having. Okay. What about Fournette? Is Fournette going to be popular this week? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think think he is. Let's head over here. Um, Well, we got him at 12%. Um, Bell at, let me just sort here and see where we have. So we have McCaffrey at the top, Alvin Kamara, number two, our Laird and Savior, number
2: three. 18%. Look what you've done.
1: Look look what, where we started at the bottom, and now we're here, Josh. Now we're here. Now we're here. Um, that is really interesting with Fournette. I thought he was going to be pop, more popular than that. But again, we keep talking about running backs. We can't afford this light-up. Um,
2: it's so nice you, to dream.
1: You mentioned Melvin Gordon, though. I think he's pretty interesting versus the Jags. who've been really bad against the run.
2: Yeah, I, I like Gordon a lot. And if you I, I think Gordon's gonna end up being pretty popular though.
1: We have him at ten percent. Ten percent.
2: Wow, that's surprising. Okay. I thought he would be closer to twenty.
1: I think what's gonna happen, so we got this stuff. I mean, Bell is questionable right now. Um, if if he doesn't go, I mean, all of a sudden you have Powell, all of a sudden you have we got Laird. We know McCaffrey and Kamara, I think, will be the two most popular guys. I think this mid range, um, is going to be really distributed between Fournette, Gordon, um, Chubb, uh, Derek Henry. I, I don't think any of these are going to catch a ton of ownership just because of the way things are breaking.
2: No, I agree with that. So, I, you know, I, I don't think you have any issue playing any of these guys. If you wanted to build permutations of this particular lineup and, and cycle running backs through there, I think right. this would be a good lineup to do it. So, uh, you know, out of that group and the sixes and even into the upper fives, I mean, you, it'd be easy to put Aaron Jones in there. It'd be easy to put Josh Jacobs in there, who nobody is going to play this week, apparently. I haven't heard his name at all. Um, you know, you could put Eckler in there. Eckler's the guy that's scoring the touchdowns for the Chargers. So, I mean, it's, there's a lot. There's a lot of flexibility here with how you want to play this lineup. And, you know, this would be one of the deals where on Sunday morning you make a last minute swap at that one running back spot and you totally destroy your chances at profitability. But
1: yeah, the funny the thing fun of it. with a lineup like this, you have the early slate. Um, so you know, you know if you're Mike Evans and you're Pascal hit. Normally, I'd say you have some late swap optionality. I guess you could swap off the of Edelman in the Flex to maybe Sony if you're behind because Edelman will be more popular, but you don't need to do much late swapping, I think, with Darwin and, and Hardman because they, they are already the Galaxy
2: Brains. Yeah, plays. absolutely. Well, I think Casey New England, that's an early kick, isn't it? No, that's the late game. That's yeah. the late game. Oh, 425. Okay. Why did I yeah. think that was one o'clock? Shame on me.
1: Yeah, yeah. so I...
0: Lots
2: of late swap flexibility. I, I like that. And again, Gordon's a late game. You can, you can use him with some flexibility if you want. Same thing with Josh Jacobs. If you wanted to play them at the second running back spot here, it's, um, I, I like having flexibility in a lineup to bail out of, um, of maybe an early bad decision if things are going south.
1: Okay, so the big question, Josh, in the heart of hearts, you look at this lineup. You leave $500 on the, on the table. you roll it out a lineup. Is this a cash lineup? Is this a head-to-head GPP lineup? Is this a cash game lineup? Is this a Millie Maker lineup? How would you define this team?
2: Um, I think it's definitely not a double up. I would <laughs> not play this in cash. I, might, I don't know. I might think about it in cash. <laughs> I
1: love it. Josh, stay an odd brand.
2: Uh, I might play this in cash because it's, <laughs> I, again, it's, and Adam Levitan talks about this a lot too. Like Your cash lineup should have GPP upside right it's it, you're not playing to get across the the line you're playing to blow the line away so if you if your cash lineup doesn't have some of that ability to just go off then you probably need to rethink your cash game strategy a little bit yeah. and that's i'm i'm probably way past that in the way i build my lineups but again i'm i'm chasing upside and sometimes i will do it at the expense of a high floor um, yeah. and you know it 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 costs me some weeks but a lot of weeks it ends up being good for me so you know Yeah, do I want to get this in cash? Probably not. I wouldn't recommend it to other people. It's my money. I'll do it. But, you know, I I wouldn't say other people do it with their money. Uh, If I wanted to play triple ups or quints with this, absolutely. I mean, that's basically, you know, very small scale GPPs type stuff with a flat payout. I mean, this would be a great lineup for that. So I would do it there and above. So multipliers and up. I don't have any problem with this lineup.
1: All right, guys, there you have it. I brought on a true galaxy brainer today helped uh, me think about some different avenues to roster construction. Um, Josh, thank you so much uh, for your time today.
2: Appreciate you having me, Peter. Enjoy Costa Rica.
1: Thank you. It's, it all comes to an end. Vacation Pete is ending in a couple of hours. Um, The headset mic is going back in the shelf. I will not be accepting any more drive-through orders. Uh, as I will be returning to the comforts of my own office and my Yeti mic and all of that good stuff. But thank you for joining me for drive Through headset week. Uh, thank you guys for hopping in the comments. Uh, thank you for playing this lineup in cash. Um, I will say I left the last running back spot blank on purpose, not to meet DraftKings terms and conditions, but rather because it's just so obvious that you fill this lineup out with Laird. Right, Josh?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. the no other way to go.
1: Um, but for real, you guys should check out the Snap Counts and Targets app. It is uh, You can find it here in the drop down on the NFL snap Stats and Data app. And you guys can get all granular now that we all learned how to use the app. I am going to win the Spy this week, guys. I'm just putting that on the record. And I'm going to do it with Patrick Laird. Thank you guys so much. We will see you for the Bankroll Challenge lineup review on Monday.